welcome to Make It Rain. I'm your host, Hillary Hagerman. And I'm Elizabeth DiFilippo. We've been talking a lot about royal weddings on this podcast. A lot. A lot. They're big events. They're big events. We've had Harry and Meg, Eugenie and uh, Jack, lame guy. And this week we wanted to talk about something a little different. A couple weeks ago, recently, uh, Lord Ivar Mountbatten got married. Um, and this was actually a same-sex wedding. The first same-sex the first wedding one. for the royal family. Which is pretty cool. This was a big headline-making story. Lord Ivor Mountbatten, the Queen's third cousin, once removed, married his longtime partner, James Coyle, and a small ceremony at their home in Bridwell Park in Devon. And when they say small ceremony, maybe small for royal standards. <laughs> but this was actually a giant estate. It's huge. So it wasn't televised. There were no trumpets blaring, but this was a, still a very posh, very royal to-do. Yeah, of course. Um, and just a bit of a history lesson. Um, here's how he is related to both the Queen and Prince Philip. Mm? So Ivar is a Mountbatten, um, as in Philip Mountbatten, who's the Duke of Edinburgh. Um, Lord Ivar's uncle, Lord Louis Mountbatten, was assassinated in Ireland by the Irish Republican Army. That's the IRA for all you royal Irish fans. Um, so he was assassinated after a bomb was planted on his boat in County Sligo in Ireland, uh, which killed him and his grandson. Um, Louis Mountbatten, who was known on the crown as Uncle Dickie, was super close with Prince Charles. And um, if the name sounds familiar to you, Prince Louis... Little baby prince uh, is rumored to be named after him. I mean, so that's a pretty close tie. And he's also the great, great, great grandson of Queen Victoria. So he's winning all around genetically is what we're saying. Yeah, he's a major royal. But he doesn't rely on his name for his fortune. He actually, I'm sure he it helps. Probably. But he also works as a geologist. So he kind of rocks is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> in 2015, uh, Ivor met James Coyle at a Swiss ski resort in Verbeer. I'm going to say that's how you say that. That sounds right. We're not Swiss. Clearly not worldly. Uh, in an interview with the Daily Mail, Ivor said he wanted to get married to James um, because he had never been married before. Lord Ivor publicly came out as homosexual in 2016, just two years after Great Britain legalized same-sex marriage. That's all I got to say about that. Um, so Tell me about this wedding. Okay. So Lord Ivar. Ivor? Ivar? I, I'm saying Ivor. I think we'll just go with Ivar. Ivar? We're both saying them two different ways. It's like saying Bon Iver. Bon Iver? Iver. So Lord Bon Iver um, took to Instagram to announce his nuptials. Very current. And apparently, besides a little bit of rain, the wedding went off without a hitch. Um, and in an interview before his wedding, he said the couple wasn't going to have a wedding cake or a first dance. And they made a decision that I really love and, and you I hate, hate. I hate it. Um, they swapped out their wedding cake for cheese. Just a bunch of cheese. I said this before when Megan and Harry had that elderflower cake. I need a little something sweet to nosh on after a meal. I don't even care if you don't want cake. Have cake for your guests or at least a cupcake. 
or I'm shoving hostess cupcakes into my purse. Yeah, so there wasn't going to be, yeah, no first dances. They didn't want two little grooms standing on top of the cake, which I totally respect, but give me something sweet. Why do Brits not do sweets well? Because cheese rules. Anyway, um, a sweet thing that happened at this royal wedding is that uh, Lord Ivar was walked down the aisle by his ex-wife um, and the mom of his three daughters, Penny Mountbatten. Um, so they divorced eight years ago uh, and remained friendly for the sake of their three daughters, Ella, Alex, and Luli? I think so. We should say that Alex is spelt interestingly as A-L-I-X, the cool girl way. Royals, they can never be simple. No, and Luli is, um, that's just an interesting one altogether. Luli. Um, anyway, it must be very emotional. I mean, she was married to this guy for years. So I think this is a touching gesture. I mean, obviously anyone who's gone through a divorce, it's very difficult for them to remain close. And I think this probably adds another layer to it that he was married to her and they probably, apparently he had told her before they even got married that he was bisexual. Um, they went ahead with it anyway. And I, I, so I'm sure there's a lot of emotion kind of attached to him um, marrying a man afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there was a long struggle for Ivor to come to terms himself with his sexuality. He says that it was something that he kept secret for most of his life. And even though they were married in 1994, like you said... He told her that he was bisexual, but he said to the Daily Mail about his sexuality, and this is a quote, to be truthful, it doesn't sit comfortably with me that I'm going out with a man. I've lived my whole life as a heterosexual, so all of a sudden, having a bloke around is unusual. Even now, it's brilliant, but I suppose in an ideal world, I would prefer to have a wife because that's always been the norm, end quote. That's pretty crazy. It seems very generational. Yeah, and it seems very royal, too. I mean... The royals haven't exactly been the most accepting bunch historically to non-straight people or anyone really who have deviated from the norm in any way. Yeah, I mean, it's a very white religious family. Any minorities aren't until now represented. And he said that he could never tell his parents because he was afraid out of being called derogatory names. So pretty heavy stuff. But they're all friends and Penny... Mountbatten has moved on and is in a relationship and a lot of his Instagram is you know him still taking her to public events with her um, when his partner now husband can't make it so it is a very sweet modern family take but not something we're used to with the royals. Another interesting thing about this I mean we talk about how the royal family isn't super accepting maybe they're kind of old school and this is maybe kind of apparent by the fact that no senior member of the royal family was in attendance at his wedding. Uh, although apparently he's not that he's just not that close to the the kind of higher ups, but he is close with Prince Edward and the Countess of Wessex. And he's actually the godfather of their daughter, Lady Louise Windsor. In his wedding in 1994, the only senior royals that were there was Princess Margaret and Prince Edward. So it seems as though those were the people that he's close with. Despite that, though, the Queen hasn't commented publicly about this specific nuptials, these specific nuptials, but she has been vocal about um, 
being open and supportive of LGBTQ rights and gender equality. Um, and of course, Maggie Marks is like the number one fan of human rights. So they're totes cool with it. Yeah. Big ups to the royals. Big ups to the royals. Um, and although Lord Ivar is the first member of the royal family to actually have a same-sex wedding, he's uh, not the first royal whose sexuality has been a topic of discussion throughout history, for better or worse. This was surprising to me because I thought maybe it would be very difficult to find information about royals and their sexual preferences, but it was actually pretty easy and pretty well documented and actually led to one king having to abdicate his throne because of his relationships with men. So um, let's just dive back in in history. Cut to the 1300s. King Edward II is in control. Um, He's the king of England. And apparently this is what is referred to in British history as the disastrous period. Um, So in history books, my guy, King Edward II, is remembered for a failed invasion of Scotland, a famine, and military defeats. And apparently his downfall came in part by his relationship with two different men, uh, Pierce Gaveston and Hugh Dispenser. That's his name, Hugh Dispenser. He's a huge dispenser. Yeah, huge dispenser. (laughs) Um, So when when Edward was 16, he met Pierce Gaveston, um, and the two were believed to have become lovers. Um, he was apparently referred to as the favorite, and he, um, Pierce Galveston was named the Earl of Cornwall, um, which was a pretty controversial decision that angered a lot of people. It's really interesting because when you look back in history, obviously the royals do this now where they surround themselves with their tightest people, like ladies in waitings, um, but you could actually just keep like your, I guess the same way celebrities do, you keep your best friend around and they're just known as your favorite person. Yeah. You could read into that what you will. Maybe it's sexual, maybe it's not, but it's kind of like, let's make this in terms that people understand. Kylie Jenner and her best friend Jordan. Aw. Kylie essentially gave her friend a career by being famous. So this is, Kylie is the King Edward II of her time. Wow. That's a stretch. So even though uh, they were rumored to be lovers, both of these men were actually married. And Edward helped his friend uh, obtain a marriage with Margaret de Clare, the sister of the Earl of Gloucester. And with his wedding, they became basically the RIP Brad and Angelina of England. He had the most land, the most money, and people were right pissed, as I would be too. It's favoritism for the favorite. Yeah, well, he was called the favorite, so I mean, God was coming to him. In 1308, just buckle up for this part, fans. In 1308, uh, then 24-year-old Prince Edward, King Edward? Was he a prince or a king at that point? Who cares? Um, He left to marry the, wait for it, 12-year-old Princess Isabella of France. Few things wrong with this. Double her age. She was 12. Man, times were tough back then. You know, I consider myself a spinster now. Same. But if you if we're going by like 1300s rules, I'm like I'm probably dead at this point. At yeah, you would have contracted the plague and died. I can't even imagine. I mean, sure, you're raised to think that like 13 is your prime years for having a baby. Yep, get but ready, gird tw- your loins. It could have been worse though. He could have been like 50. True. 
So, I mean, should we be happy that he's only 24? Uh, let's remain neutral on this, leaning towards disgusted. Well, Edward didn't do such a very good job with his wife, and I believe that he's king at this point. Okay. While he left the country to go get his child bride, he left his best buddy Piers in charge as the king regent, which is not something that you would normally do. You would probably leave your relative, maybe somebody who's even blood-related to you, not your best friend, lover, in in charge. Yeah, it's uh, it made a lot of people not so happy. Not happy. You know who else wasn't happy? Who? Princess Isabella, now Queen Isabella, because instead of giving her wedding presents of jewels, he gave them to Pierce. He didn't even give his <laughs> wife a present. He gave them to his boyfriend. Well, she was only 12, so she only liked... I don't know. What is a 12-year-old like in the 1300s? Tamagotchis? Tamagotchis? <laughs> Furbies? <laughs> so cut to a pissed-off group of noblemen who drafted the Bologna Agreement? Bologna, yeah. Bologna, more like it. They said, this is Bologna. We need a <laughs> Bologna Agreement. So they drafted out the Bologna Agreement, um, which call- called for the exile of... Mr. Baloney himself, <laughs> Pierce Gaveston. Um, and Ed couldn't interfere at this point. He was afraid of upsetting his relationship with the King of France, who already hated him because he didn't give his ki- his daughter jewels for their for her wedding. Yeah, apparently he was ignoring her and not giving her diamonds, which I'd be, I mean, anybody would be pissed off. Can we just also say that Pierce Gaveston is a fucking amazing name? Yeah, it's good. Like anyone named Pierce, number one, is cool. 007 himself? Gaveston. Pierce Gaveston. That's right. So basically, this exile is short-lived because Gaveston comes back a year later. But shit's about to hit the fan for England. <laughs> so there's no time for this like lovely call me by your name moment. They have to go to war with Scotland. Because Robert the Bruce was building an army to basically kick England out of Scotland and then potentially take over England. This resulted in allegedly one of Britain's greatest military defeats, which has an awesome name. Uh, The Battle of Bannockburn, um, which fueled opposers of Edward II, Eddie, as I like to call him. And uh, guess what? A resistance began. They pissed. And you know what doesn't always end well? Resistances. So keep on fighting people of the resistance in the United States. But like any good group, what they did was they met probably like once a week and they gave themselves a name. And they're called the Ordainers. I like it. What happened was the Ordainers decided that they needed to hold Edward accountable for his actions as king. So they gave him... Ordinances, which is pretty scot free for scot free, get it? Oh, Scotland. <laughs> like Scotland. They decided to give him a list of ordinances that are basically going to make sure that he governs England better. But what else do they do? They kill his boothang. They kill the favorite. They Gaveston have- was Deadviston at that point. And Edward wasn't very happy because he was dead. So uh, he vowed to avenge his death. But the heart heals, and <laughs> and he moved on. He moved on. He just forgot about Pierce. 
and moved on to huge dispenser. <laughs> so not only is Queen Elizabeth like probably like 15 at this point, you know, hormones are raging, you know, teenage years are a real bitch. She's a moody, broody teen and she's pissed because not one, this isn't just her husband falling in love with one man, but now he's in love with another man. And she still hasn't gotten any jewels. No, so she decides she's got a piece on the side. Mm-hmm. I think his last name was Mortimer, and she decides that it's time to like get her husband out of the th- out of the the spot as king. So Isabella, who was called the she wolf of France, I like that. Um, she arranged for her son Edward III to marry the Count of Hainault's daughter Philippa um, in return for his military support. So. She goes behind his back, gets this army to rally against her husband. Her husband decides to take off, but he's caught, and they basically force him to abdicate his throne, so making uh, King Edward III in charge. Again, they keep capturing his lovers and having them executed. So this is what happened to this poor chap. I mean, not poor chap, whatever, but he got the shit end of the stick. He did. He was... Stripped in the middle of town, they scrawled biblical verses all over his body, and then they had him hanged, drawn, and quartered. Edward is a black widow. If you stay by this guy's side, you are getting murdered in some horrible fashion. When we come back, we're going to be talking about King James, and it's not LeBron James. Stay with us. And we're back. Let's talk about King James. And like you said, not LeBron James. I honestly, I don't know anything about basketball. I still think that like Michael Jordan is popular. I guess he is. Yeah. If you're of the Space Jam crowd. Which they're remaking Space Jam with LeBron James. I know. That's why he moved to LA. I think. Now, many people may know King James for commissioning the English translation of the Bible. Yeah, if you've ever been to like a nice motel, you've likely reached into <laughs> your bedside, the bedside table. table and you see, if King James sounds familiar, you see his name right on the good Lord's book. Right so this, there. This this is going to become as well this is going to come as a shock because all you religious folk should know that King James had several male lovers. Allegedly. No, he did. There's receipts. All right, so it's a little complicated, and maybe we'll get into this in a different podcast. But he ruled both Scotland, Ireland, and England at different times. So for England, we're going to talk about his rule from 1603 until his death in 1625. But he was actually on the throne in 1566. When you say on the throne, it makes it sound like he's on the toilet. I thought about that too. Put a flushing sound in here. So he's believed to have had three male lovers, um, Esme Stewart, Robert Carr, and George Georges Villiers. 
that's a French accent I made up myself before realizing that he's the Duke of Buckingham, so I don't know if he's French. Carrying on. If I was going to cast this as the British Call Me By Your Name, again, I'm going to make as many Call Me By Your Name references because anything to bring my little baby Timothy Chalamet into the conversation. King James met his first male lover when he was just 13, and the guy, Esme Stewart, was 37. Yeah, if you thought the um, King Edward, Queen Isabella thing was gross, that was double her age. This is like triple his age. This is like... That's crazy. You do not prey on children, no matter how royal they are. Weirdness aside, um, and apparently he didn't hide his physical affection for him, according to a royal informant, um, James would publicly kiss and embrace Stuart. Whatever. Um, but Georges, I still don't know how to say this guy's name. Villiers. Georgie Villiers. <laughs> Georges Villiers was the man um, who King James referred to as his wife and apparently spoke about marrying. King James was married to Queen Anne of Denmark, but that didn't stop him, like most royals, from having either a mistress or a mister... Yeah, so a lot of royals had side pieces, um, but James, for James, they were just uh, men. And a lot of the time, like other royals, they knew about each other. And Queen Anne of Denmark was aware of his relationship and actually encouraged Villiers to be loyal and true to her husband no matter what. That takes a lot of guts. I, for one... She probably also didn't want to get murdered if she crossed him. Yeah, I, for one, though, if I have me going on in like if I'm like bringing all my Timothy Chalamets to my boudoir I don't give a shit about what you're doing because I'm the queen hell yeah but as a peasant I am not okay with the fact that my husband would have anyone besides me I couldn't be cool with this I don't think I could either I mean it takes all kinds but um yeah not for me and it's not just uh, royal men who have been uh, rumored to have non-straight relationships. Um, Queen Anne, who ruled from 1702 to 1714, she was, like many of the other people we've talked about today, she was married. She was married to George of Denmark, but many throughout history have speculated about her sexuality um, because she had, quote-unquote, Intense and close relationships with women, um, which you can actually check more out about in the upcoming film, The Favorite, not about the guy who died. So now you know, this is The Favorite is this person who's closest to the monarch. Um, Queen Anne's relationship with Sarah Churchill, who was the Duchess of Marlborough, raised eyebrows because um, Churchill had an ability to influence the queen and her politics. An expert, Ophelia Fields, said that when you're talking about royals and sexuality, especially when it comes to women, uh, female monarchs, it's difficult to know whether or not they were actually lovers or if they just shared a close affection because to throw the term around lesbian was pretty much the same as political slander. So it could be easily ascribed to her to be you know, from somebody who disagreed with her politics. So it, you're not really getting an accurate depiction of history. However, there are letters that show very intimate feelings that the queen had for her friends. Um, but 
I mean, like our good friend of the show, Carolyn Harris, says, can't always take that for face value. You may remember Carolyn from our first episode of Make It Rain. She was on the podcast talking about royal weddings and um, how they've changed over history. Um, And yeah, she said it's important to remember that the understanding of sexuality that we have in 2018 is not the same as it was in the past, obviously. So all that to say, everything you have to take with a bit of a grain of salt. It's interesting, though, because it seems like even um, ideas about marriage have kind of regressed in like the 18th, 19th century, especially 20th century, where all of a sudden you know, everybody was a little bit more liberal with the idea of marriage being contractual and then having mistresses. You know, it was very common for people to be sexually fluid, but then we just see a sharp turn maybe when things become more ingrained in religion and it seems like maybe we should go back there. Yeah, that's the part that really stood out to me reading this over is like, these people are a little more woke than, say, 50 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the fact that Meghan Markle's grandparents, her great-grandparents had to work in a whites-only hotel, but then you have a female leader who maybe has female lovers. That's pretty fucking awesome. Ch-ch-ch-changes. Turn and face the crowd. Ch-ch-changes. We're going to end every episode with a song from now until the end of time, which will <laughs> be then, next week when we're sued for copyright well, problems. Any rules right now have sex music? Oh, yeah. Okay, you ask it. Hey, this is the producer, Laura Howells. Do you think any royals right now have side pieces? Well, we know one who married his side piece. If you listened to a few episodes ago, Charles definitely had a side piece. Prince Philip has always denied it. But very likely, at some point, there was at least some some eyes being made. Who was it rumored that the queen had an affair with? Oh, the guy. The horse Porky. guy. Porky. Wasn't that his name? Or Porchy? Porchy. Yeah, he was the horse guy. Porchester? Porchester. Porchester. I don't know what his real name was. I just know that his nickname was Porchy or Porky. And he had to do with horses. <laughs> Princess Diana was open about her extramarital affairs. With that, what was that guy's name? Wow, we're bad at this. The hot guy or the other guy? The hot guy. Apparently, she had a fling with Brian Adams. But I don't know if they were married at the, at the time. If her and Brian Adams were married? <laughs> Run to You is actually about... No, it's not. But that would be incredible, That would be though. amazing if it was. I don't think that Harry and Meghan do. They just they seem obnoxiously in love. And I don't think I don't think William would ever do that. No, I don't think any of the, like, the modern generation of royals, Prince Charles and his side piece turned wife uh, aside, I don't think that... I don't think it would cross their mind. And I think also... Uh, for Will and Harry, like, they saw what their mom went through. They saw the turmoil that their parents were constantly in. So I feel like they just wouldn't. There's also way more public attention given to royals. Yeah. I mean, before, if you heard something, it would be like a nice rumble in a hallway or like, you know, a raised eyebrow over like a at a ball. Now you're like, I have the receipts. Here are my screen caps. And then you would just extort them for money and go on your way. Perfect. Yeah, that's all for us on this week's episode of your favorite ever royal podcast, Make It Rain. Um, If you have any thoughts about um, royals throughout history, you can tweet us at Yahoo Style CA. 
Um, and until then, you better get your ass over to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you are forced to listen to our podcast and give us some listens and reviews, positive reviews only. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Goodbye. And good luck. Good night and good luck. LeBron James. King James. King James.